Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So I'm going to share today what the Lord has given me for y'all this week, and it is about being moldable. Uh, a couple weeks ago in the Furnace series, Pastor Josh uh, touched on it in week two, actually, and he was saying that it's so important for us to stay flexible, and it is vital for us. It's not just important. It is vital for us to stay flexible and bendable because things are going to come in life that we're not going to like. We're not going to want that outcome for our life, but depending on how flexible and how moldable we are, it's going to determine our course from that point forward. Amen. How many of y'all know it's easier to fix a bend in something, just bend it back, than it is if it's snapped in half? Sometimes that's not repairable. So it's vital that we rem- remain multiple. So I have something for you today. Um, I, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I want to pass out clay. And then I thought, nah, that's kind of weird. And so I, I, I wasn't going to do it. And then I told Josh, I was like, yeah, I thought about passing out clay. And he's like, do it. So we bought this ginormous block of clay. Y'all can start passing it out. And I was actually cutting it last night into little cubes. But um, I want y'all to play with this clay. It will get on your hands a little bit. Just be forewarned. Um, It will make a little, so we have baby wipes in the back there at the end so you can grab one. But I just want y'all to just play with clay. I want y'all to see and feel it and and embrace and what it is to be moldable and how it is to, to be like clay in your hands. And if you've already got your clay, you might notice that it was cold when you got it, but it already is going to start to warm up as, as you play with it. And we see multiple times in scripture where God in all forms of the Trinity can be referred to as fire. We see that God is an all-consuming fire. We see uh, that in Revelation, uh, in Jesus' glorified body, his eyes burn like fire. And we know that the Holy Spirit baptizes with fire. So God's doing something. He's, he's doing something. There's something to this heat thing. There's something to this fire that, that is important to him. So I think it's important for us to, to, to seek it out and, and see what that is. He's, he's working. He's hot. He's breathing. He's raging on. He is a burning fire. You know, it's not just like these little flames that we have up here. But when it talks about God being an all-consuming fire, I mean, that's like forest fire. You know, like there's nothing that can quench it. And so I want to just talk today about about how the fire of God can keep us moldable. Y'all right with that this morning? All right. So how do we stay mobile, uh, moldable? What can we do when the pressures of life come? We can, you know, how are we going to bend with the blows? Are we going to make it through the trial or is the trial going to take us out? So I want to give you a couple of things to put in your mental toolbox so that maybe the next time something comes along, you might feel better prepared for that. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to keep moving. Everybody say keep moving. It is a daily grind. How many of y'all know we can't come to church on Sunday and make it through our week totally happy and everything's going good and we're feeling 100% like we just walked out the door, right? You've got to pick your Bible up on Monday. You've got to pray on Tuesday and Monday. You know, you've got, to, you've got to put the daily work into it. We can't stop before we start. We can't quit before it's finished. And we can't give up when it gets hard. We have to put the work in every day so that we're prepared when the trial comes. We know that Matthew six eleven is the Lord's Prayer, and it talks about give us today our daily bread. And we see in the Old Testament when God was providing for the Israelites that he gave them manna, but it was only good for one day. And if they tried to keep it, it actually spoiled and it would become poisonous to them. And so God's pretty big on this daily thing. We see it, we see it multiple times in scripture. And so we've got to put the work in daily ourselves. We can't just come on Sunday and think that the worship and the preaching is going to 
give us enough to make it through the week. Because it's not, no matter how good it is, no matter who's up here leading or preaching, it's not enough. You have to have something daily. So God has something for us every day. He wants to encounter us every day. You know, he, he's in, in the vastness of who he is, he still wants those quiet moments with just you, you know, just you by yourself. And, and so if he wants it daily, it's not, it's not only for our benefit because he wants it as well. Isn't that cool? Isn't it amazing to think that the God of the universe that created everything just wants to spend time with you? I mean, that's just mind-boggling. But if he, has, if he wants to spend some, been, spend some time with us every day, I believe it's because he has something for us every day. And he wants to show us that he loves us. He wants to reveal something to us to help us get through what we're going through. Or he wants to remind us of our identity in him and, and, and who he says we are. And, you know, we hear from the world you know, over and over and over, if you go to your job or you go to work and who they say you are or you're not enough or you can't do it or you, you should have gone to college and you can't get a good job because you don't know what you're doing. But when we, get in, when we get into that daily moment with just God, he can remind us who he says we are and what he has for us. You know, and so it's important for us. It's important for us to get up and to search him out and say, God, what are you saying today? What do you have for me today? What are you wanting to teach me today that I don't already know about you and about myself and about the journey that you have me on? And so it's important that we get moving. It's important that we start using those muscles in the physical and in the spiritual. Because how many of y'all know if we never talk about Jesus or to Jesus, when the opportunity comes, we're not going to know what to do, right? How can, how can you tell somebody about somebody that you don't know? Amen? So it's important. It's important to get all those muscles moving. You know, I, I really like watching the Olympics. I don't know how many of you guys like the Olympics. I used to, like, do cartwheels and headstands and all kinds of things when I was a kid. My friend and I would, we had tile in my living room, and we would put on socks, and we would ice skate, you know. And I'd be like, triple lutz, you know. Of course, it didn't look like theirs did, but in my head it did, you know. Um, but anyways, how many of y'all know that gymnasts don't just wake up for the most part? You know, there's some people that are like crazy bendable, right? But how many of y'all know they don't just wake up one day and they can fold in half or pull their leg up behind their head? They did that for daily stretching for years to get to that point. It's, you know, they got to put the work in. They've got to work at it. They're not just going to become the gold medalist tomorrow by just, you know, waking up and say, hmm. I'm going to join the Olympics. You know, it doesn't work that way. They train for years and years and years, literally four years from one to the next. They train that whole time for this very short competition so that they'll be, that they'll be prepared. And you know what happens? If you don't use those muscles, girl, they ain't going to work. They ain't going to work. I'm just telling you. I, can't, I cannot do the things that I used to do. I could, do, I could still do a car wheel. I could still do a car wheel. I did a car wheel one time in front of my kids because they were like, you can't. I was like... Yes, I can. But if I try to do a backflip, yeah, I'd be meeting Jesus. That's what I'm saying. I'd be like, Lord, where'd that come from? I'm no, just kidding. But, you know, a couple years ago, I can't, I, I keep saying a couple years ago because it makes me feel really good, like I'm still in shape. But if I had to be honest, I think it was in 2011. So that's been a little while. But um, I did a half marathon. So how many, how many of you guys are here runners or you've ever done any type of race? Even a, like a 5K? No? Nobody? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I did a half marathon, which is 13.1 miles. And I had a friend that was like, you should do it with me. I need a buddy. And I was like, okay. And so normally you train more out. Well, she told me after she had already been training for two weeks, so I had to fit six weeks worth of training into four. And so there's this Hal Higdon marathon training thing that I like downloaded and 
And, you know, I had to run every single day for that month to prepare me for the half marathon if I wanted to do it right, if I wanted to run, you know. And so how many of y'all know it was harder to make myself run every day than just thinking, okay, on May 26th, I'm going to run. You know what I'm saying? Every day I had to say, oh, I got to put my shoes on. I got to get, you know, my yoga pants on. I actually wore yoga pants to do running. Isn't that good? You know, sometimes you just wear yoga pants to go to Starbucks. No, I was running. I was using my yoga pants for their intended purpose. No, I was kidding. But it was hard. And, you know, there was like this day you had to run six. The next day you ran ten. The next day you ran three. Then you had a rest day where, you, you know, you just stretched. And it was a lot. It was way more than I realized in the beginning what I was committing to. And that was the hardest part. That was the hardest part, was staying motivated in the training and putting in the work every single day in the front end so that when the marathon came, that I was able to do it. Because before that day, I had never ran 13 miles in one setting. I never had. And so the, the marathon came, and, and I was excited, and my sister-in-law ended up doing it with us. Um, and so she had trained, but then thought she wasn't going to do it and stopped training, but then like a week out, decided she wanted to do it. So she was not prepared, and I was like, I'll walk with you. If you want to walk, don't worry. And so I was prepared to not run the whole thing because I had never ran it anyway. And so I thought, oh, you know, I was kind of taking the easy route out by saying I would help her. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, I'll walk with you. And inside you're like, yes. But so I was prepared. I was prepared to walk some with her. So about nine miles in, I, I had ran straight. I hadn't stopped at all. You know, I just had my pace and I was going. And she was right next to me and she said, you know what? I think I need to walk. I'm, I'm hitting it pretty hard. And she had been feeling it for a while but didn't want to say anything. And so I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. I'll walk with you. And I told my brain to walk, and my legs just kept going. Like somebody had pushed play. It was, it was not stopping. And it was the weirdest feeling I've ever had in my entire life because I could not stop. But let me tell you why. I put in the work. I was trained. I set my mind to do something. And when I said go, my body knew what to do because I put in all the work. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was really funny because I was like, I'm sorry. My legs just won't stop. You know, and I left her behind and she's like, it's okay. You know, and I, it was, it was the weirdest thing, weirdest thing in my life. But I did it. I, I did my half marathon and I finished in the time to get the medal. And I was so excited and after the race, I felt great. And I was kind of like on this, this high, you know, this adrenaline rush. And there was like this huge snack table and like ice cream. And if y'all know me, you know that I could eat ice cream for breakfast. And so I ran over there and I was like, yes, I just did this. And now I get ice cream. This is like the best day of my life. You know, and I kind of walked a little bit still. You know, my muscles at that point were kind of uh, tingling and, and twitching. And, uh, and so we, you know, we got our awards. We said bye because it was in Midland. So we had to drive. That was when we lived in Amarillo. We had to drive back. So I was like, bye, love you. You know, thanks. This is so much fun. And I got in a car, a little car. Josh had a Mitsubishi Lancer at the time. And I sat in that passenger seat for four hours and drove home to Amarillo. Less than an hour after I just ran for almost three hours straight. And y'all know what happened? Halfway through, I'm like did I sit on something? Like, it felt like there was like a basketball just hitting me right here. And I'm like, looking, did I sit on something? I'm like, no. And we get home, and I'm like, all right, let's go. And I open the door, and I'm like, like, my legs were not 
working. I'm telling, I am not exaggerating. I could barely walk for three days straight. I was, I looked like a grandma. I mean, it was awful, but I had put so much work into my muscles and they had been going and going and going and going and then just stopped. I mean, completely stopped. And you know what happened? They shut down. My muscles shut down. And that's what can happen to us if we put in the work every day, every day, every day, every day. And then one day we're like, I'm good. You know, I've got, I know what I'm doing. I'm not really sinning anymore. I've kind of got this, you know, groove to what I'm doing. And then we just stop. We coast. But what's going to happen the next time we try to get up is we're going to be stuck. Our muscles aren't going to know what to do because they're going to start to, you know, crave that motion, but it's not going to be there. So it's important. It's important to put in the daily work. It's important that when we want to throw in the towel and that we look at something in life that's trying to take us out, that we keep moving, that we stay flexible, that we dodge those punches and those blows that are coming at us and we, and we stay committed to the race. Amen? Because if we get rigid and we allow ourselves to stop moving, we'll stop. We'll run out. It's like, it's like, you know, praying and reading the Bible is like your spiritual gas and you're filling that tank so that one day when you're out stranded and you lost your job and, you know, your best friend passed away, you're not stranded somewhere on empty. So it's important. It's important to put the daily work. Amen? All right. So the first one was to keep moving. The second one is to keep learning. How many of y'all know that there can be a lesson in every single thing in life, no matter what it is? If it's a job you hate, if it's a relationship that fell apart, if it's the best day of your life, you know, whatever it is, we can learn from every single situation. And when the dust settles, we have to ask ourselves, what can I glean from this? You know, what can I learn from this situation, the good and the bad? And I, and I honestly, I try to do that a lot in life. You know, when something bad happens or, you know, if I have the opportunity to laugh or cry at something, I'll stop for a second and I'll say, you know what? I can learn from this and this isn't the end of me. And I, you know, I, I need to choose the joy out of this. And so we see in James 1 and 2 through 5, it's talking about this. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind, for you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, I remind my kids often that they have the mind of Christ, and anytime somebody tells me they have a test coming up, I love to pray for them, because I'm like, listen, you have the mind of Christ, and God created everything, even algebra or trigonometry or whatever it is. And so I'm like, you have the mind of Christ. You can do this. There's nothing that you can't know. And so even, even just this past uh, month when my son was taking the STAR test, I reminded him, I'm praying for you, and you have the mind of Christ. And if you don't some, know what the answer is, the Bible says you can ask God, and he will give you the answer. And Judah looked me dead in the face. He's like, Mom, that's cheating. And he was, I mean, he was so serious. He said, they tell us we're not allowed to ask anybody for the answer. And I was like, well, it's a little different. I give you permission to ask God to help you. So that was pretty funny. But, you know, I have to remind myself often that nothing takes God by surprise. You know, we get a flat tire on the way to work and it messes up our day. God knew we were going to get a flat tire. That doesn't mean he caused a flat tire. Come on, God doesn't cause bad things to happen to us. But... He knows. And so I have to remind myself when something goes wrong, just to take reassurance in the fact that God knew it was going to happen, and he already knows the end result. He already knows how to get me out of it and, and how, you know, what's on the other side waiting for me and how to work it out in my best interest. But it's on my job. It's my part 
to, to make sure that I'm staying moldable, that I'm not letting a flat tire ruin my whole day on my way to work, or I'm not letting, you know, the fact that I lost my job tell me that I'm worthless, but that, you know, everything, God knows everything, and he's going to work it out. And, you know, it's so important. I want to be wise. I want to remain teachable. I want to learn from my own mistakes so that I don't make them again. And I want to learn from the mistakes of other people. I know that, you know, when we're 18, 14, you know, however, however old we are, you know, we kind of, we kind of think that we know more than our parents do. You know, we're like, yes, mom, I know. You know, your mom's like, don't go to prom. There's nothing good that ends at prom. You're like, mom, it's just a dance. You know, and then like you get there and then the guy's like getting a little too handsy and you're like, oh, my mom was right, you know. But it's so important for us to not develop an I know attitude that says that we know more than somebody else, whether that's your authority, whether that's your friend, whether it's somebody who's walked through the same situation than you. We can learn from people. We don't have to make the same mistakes as somebody else made if we're willing to learn from their advice, if we're willing to learn from example what, what they've walked through. So Psalms 25, 4 and 5 says, Show me your path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are a God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. And how many of y'all know there's no, no, nobody, nobody better to put your hope in? Because he's never going to let us down. But, you know, Josh calls it the 18 complex or something like that. You know, you think you know everything. You think you know more than your parents. And, you know, they've already been through that. They've already walked through that. You know, I'd encourage you to get a mentor that's even a couple years older than you. If you haven't had kids, talk to somebody who's had kids. If you haven't ever had a full-time job, talk to somebody who's had a full-time job. Learn from them. Learn what they already know. There's a fountain of knowledge everywhere around you. Even if it's people who've made mistakes, you know, like, oh, I don't want to go down that road, so I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to learn what led you to that point. You know what I'm saying? I want to I know what happened two years before, you know, you wound up broken. I want to make sure that I don't do that, do that myself. You know, John Maxwell, I don't know how many of you guys have heard of John Maxwell, but he's kind of like the king of leadership. And he has a lot of teaching on leadership and, and uh, how to run, you know, your organization better in order to have good leaders. And basically, it all starts with the leaders. But he says, he says it this way. When you are through learning, you're through. And I read that. We're actually, the staff is reading a book from him right now. And I read that and I was like, man. That's pretty harsh, you know, but if you think about it, it's so true. It's like when you, when you think you figured it all out, you put a lid on yourself and you're like, I'm good. You know, I, I'm fine where I am. And so something's going to come a little bit down the road that's not something that you've thought could happen or prepared for, and you're not going to be able to handle it. And so we need to always allow ourselves to learn from other people, from other situations. And learning from somebody else doesn't mean you're not as smart as them. And I think that's probably the biggest issue that we have is we think we see somebody else who's not, we would say in our standards, not as far along in life as we are or doesn't have it as together as we have or, or you know, we don't feel like they have anything to offer us. And so we enable ourselves because we don't let them teach us from their experiences. And so it's important that we allow ourselves to learn from everybody in our life because God put them there for a reason and, and to learn from all the circumstances that we walk through, no matter if they're good or bad, and, and know that, again, that God's not causing bad things to happen to us, but that we can learn more about him and his character, who he is, and more about ourselves in, in that process. So it's important. It's important that we keep learning and that we don't just stay where we are and, and be satisfied with where we are. And that's hard for me. That's, I mean, if, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm good. 
You know, <laughs> like, ah, you know, I, Josh tells me all the time, like, don't you want to, like, do something else, like, with worship? I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I like it how it is, you know. And he's, like, encouraging me to try something new. And I'm like, no. Nah. But, you know, it's important. It's important that we just don't stay where we are. It's important that we can look back and say, you know, at one point I was here and now I'm here. You know, and we don't look back in five years and the starting line's, you know, just right behind our feet. So it's important for us to keep keep learning and keep moving. And those kind of go hand in hand. So one and two, keep moving and keep learning. Number three is recover quickly. This one is so important. So, so important. So a couple years ago, uh, my father-in-law, Larry Brown, you guys have seen him. He's been here time to time, uh, he, but they live in Odessa, Texas. He had knee replacement surgery. They did one, and then I think like six weeks later, they did the other one. And so he was out here when he had it, and we went to visit him. And do you know what they did? Like, within the hour of his knee replacement surgery, they made him walk. Like, that's, I was like, what? They're like, yep, you've got to do at least this many steps. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, you just cut his leg open, basically took his top of his leg apart from his lower leg, stuck a device in there, and now you want him to walk? Like, y'all crazy. But they were telling us that if they don't get up and they don't start moving, then a blood clot could form. And they could die, really. And so it's important, even though we think that sounds too drastic, it's important that we don't baby ourselves in the idea that once we've fallen down, that we just need to stay there a while. That we just need to, like, you know, hang out. That we need to recover. You know, that we need to baby ourselves. You know, in fact, if you see babies fall, usually they get right back up. And they just keep going. And as we get older, we don't heal as fast, you know. My son, Uriah, he's two and a half now. He has this new thing where he gets, like, ansias. That's what, I don't know how else to say it. But, you know, he, like, gets anxious, antsy. And he, like, grabs my arm. Or he, he'll go like this. And then, arr, like, and bite it. And I'm like, Whoa! You know, and, but it's like he, he just has, like, this little, you know, thing he does. And so I have scabs, like, all over my arms, like, in the last couple of weeks. Because he just, it's, I don't know. And I... He's my baby, so I don't tell him no. But anyways, I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Just bite it again. No, I'm just kidding. I do tell him no. I do tell him no. But, um, you know, I'm going to have these for a while. They're taking a while to heal. But you know what happened? This is the truth, y'all. He bit me, and I was trying to stop him by doing this. I'm popping his mouth open, and I sliced his gums. Like this flap was just hanging out. And I, like, looked at him, and then I looked at Josh. He's like, what happened? I'm like, um, I kind of cut his gums open. You know, he was biting me. You know, anyways, I was terrified. I was like, you can't stitch gums. Like, I'm like, you can't super glue gums. Like, how do I deal with this situation? You know, I was freaking out. But, like, in 10 minutes, you couldn't even tell it happened. And here I am with scabs that last for, like, two weeks. Kids have the ability to heal and to recover quickly. And I don't know if it's because... They're young. Maybe they're not tainted. Maybe the cares of this world haven't affected them yet. But we don't do that. You know, we bump our head, and what do we do for weeks? Can't come to work today. I bumped my head three weeks ago, and you know what? That knot, it's still a little tingly. So I'm going to have to take a day off work, you know? Or, or we say two years out, you know, there's this one time. This bad thing happened to me, and so I'm not going to do that again. I'm not, I have wisdom now, and I have experience that tells me not to do that, you know? Can you imagine a kid, like, falling and being like, oh, that's it. I'll never walk again. 
this must be the destiny that God has for me. You know? Can you imagine if we just all stopped and we didn't get back up when we fell the first time? That's ridiculous. We've got to recover quickly. We've got to get up. We've got to say, this isn't my destiny. This isn't the end of me. God has more for me, and I'm not going to allow this to keep me down. And the longer you stay down, the harder it's going to be to get back up. So it's important that when we fall, whether it's a choice we made on our own or whether we fall because of something that somebody else did to us, it's, ex- it's so important that we recover quickly, that we get back up. So if we are going to baby ourselves, let's baby ourselves in the sense that we, back, that we bounce back quickly and that we don't allow it to keep us down. When my niece was two years old, and now she's pregnant with her second baby, so that was a long, long time ago, um, she fell out of a two-story window, a two-second-story window from a house. She was leaning against the screen, and the screen fell out. and She fell all the way down. She did not break a single bone in her body. And, you know, that was probably the Lord protecting her. But can you imagine if one of us, with our bones all hard and rigid, fell out of a second-story window? We'd be like, just take me now, Lord. I don't want to go. I don't want surgery. I don't want to cast, you know. We would just give up. And it's so important for us to, to allow ourselves to be resilient, to allow ourselves to function the way that, that we should or the way that we used to. You know, and, and kids are the same way in forgiveness, you know. Uh, my daughter, Elisa, she's four and a half, and she's best friends with little Miss Kinney, Kinley, Kinney B, uh, here at church. And a, cu- a couple days ago, they were just fighting. I don't even know what it was, Wednesday night. They were like, don't eat with me. You know, it's like, sounds so traumatic. Sit over there, you know, and I was like, what's happening? And then literally, like, two seconds later, uh, Kinley's mom brought her over, and she was like, they're made up. They want to sit next to each other, you know. And that's, and how, what do we do when somebody offends us? We, we tell them, you're out of my life go away. I want nothing to do with you. I'm, I'm smarter now. I'm wiser now. And you're not going to do that to me again. And we, and we stop letting God work in us or work in them through us by calling it wisdom to, to hold on to it, to have unforgiveness in us and to hold a grudge. And that's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. You know, the Bible says that there's only one way that God can't forgive us. And you know what that is? Come on. Who knows what it is? when we don't forgive others, because we don't get the gift that we won't give. Come on. And so it's important. It's important for us to recover quickly. It's important to us to offer forgiveness uh, the way that children do. You know, as adults, we tend to make a mountain out of a molehill. You know, we, somebody offends us, that's it. They're done. We're hurt. We're disappointed. We're let down. And we allow that mindset to keep us from moving on. You know, that, that friendship or that broken relationship, it could be something that is the most rich and valuable later in life. That, you know, something that you're going to go through later that you don't even see coming, that God could use that person to help you through. But because you decided at this point that you're done with them, then you're going to walk through that trial completely alone. So it's important for us to offer forgiveness, to be childlike. You know, Scripture talks about it all the time, to be childlike. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean to run around giving people wedgies after service, but... It means to be forgiving. It means to bounce back up when you fall. It means to not allow those things to keep you down. And the more you start to think about Scripture outside the box and think, what did God mean when he said that? You know, he'll, he'll reveal that to you. So, so we, we need to ask ourselves in the event when something goes wrong or something's not going how we planned. You know, if something happened to us or someone did something to us. We need to stop and we need to actually evaluate just that just that situation. We can't let the wall start caving in and say, this is it. This is the end of me. You know, we have to just stop and think, well, will I even remember this in a year? 
Does it hold any value to the course of my life? It will if you let it. And so we need to remember that, that we can't linger, that we can't operate in unforgiveness. You know, sometimes we say that we need to chew on it, you know, like, oh, you know, I heard, that was a good scripture, a good message, but I'm still chewing on it. But let me tell you this, you can't chew on spoiled meat because it's going to make you sick. So if something bad happened, don't chew on it. Get over it. Don't allow it to make you sick. It's so important for us to let things that need to go, to let them go. So be childlike. Be childlike in your forgiveness. Be childlike in your, in your resilience and, and allow yourself to bounce back and recover quickly because it's vital. It's vital to, it's vital to us, to ourselves, that we, that we don't hinder ourselves. You know, sometimes when, uh, when you get hurt, and, you know, like, you, like when I, after I ran that marathon and I literally couldn't walk for a couple of days, you know, I walked like, kind of like this. And if, even after my injury started healing, if I would have kept walking like this, how many of y'all know that after a while, that's how I would have been stuck? Because I would have told my body, this is how you function. This is how, this is how walking normal is. And instead of allowing myself to recover and to stand up straight again, I, I could have, I literally, very literally could have walked like that for the rest of my life. And, and some things are going to happen in life that are going to cause us to bend. But if we don't allow ourselves to bend back, then we're going to become bent. And we're going to keep doing the same thing and the same mistakes over and over again. And we had, you know, we've, we've had um, some awesome men in, that have poured into our life over the last several years, Josh and I, at the different churches that we've gone to. And in Amarillo, um, the pastor there, he, he said something that stuck with me forever. He said, you know, you, you see like people who have gone, who are alcoholics or whatever, and they'll have this good phase and they'll, you'll think that they're on the other side of it or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden they're right back in it. You know, you can call it a generational curse. You can call it all these different names. He said, but what happens is they just bent and they didn't fix themselves and they started operating from that place and they let a habit form them and keep them where they were. And that's how they'll operate until they decide to, fi- to fix it and to get rid of that bent. And so that's, I'm like, that, I, that just was like, oh, that makes so much sense now. You know, you can't operate life bent. You have to operate life the way, or function in life the way that God has created you to function. So the first thing, again, is that we need to keep moving. The second thing is keep learning. The third is recover quickly. And the last thing that I want to talk about today is number four, stay hot. Y'all say, stay hot. Stay hot. How many of y'all still playing with your clay? Anybody? <gasps> Good job. Thanks. The only person. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. How many of y'all, how many of y'all's clay is hot from when you first got it? It's hotter. How many of y'all put it down? Now touch it again and see if it's still hot. It's probably cold again or stiff, right? It's probably not working the way it's supposed to. If we remain in God's hands, he will keep us hot, just like that clay that you've been touching this whole time. And if we continue to let him work on us, then we'll stay moldable. So you might see that now if you, if you put your clay down, it's going to be maybe dried out a little bit or it's going to be cold. So now you can make like a little cute heart or something out of it and it'll, it'll dry like that. And then you can remember today's sermon forever. Anyways, but you know, quite literally, if we are close to God, if we say, I want to be close, I want to be hot, I want you to work on me, I want you to get all the junk out, then we're going to stay hot. And we, and we move easier when we're hot, right? We all know the scripture in Isaiah 64, 8 that says that God is the potter and we are the clay and we are literally the work of his hands. That's true. That's how he formed us. 
And so if, if we remain in his hands, he's going to keep working on us. You know, he's not just going to do this. When we're in his hands, that means he's using us. He's not just doing this and we're sitting there. And so I don't know about you guys, but I want God to keep working on me. Because I've been saved for a long time, but I still do some dumb things sometimes. And I'm like, Leslie Brown, where did that come from, you know? Mm-mm-mm. Shame, shame. Anyways, but I want God to keep working on me. I want to know that, that he is working it, that he is working on me. I want to stay pliable. I want him to pull out the chunks, whether I put the chunks there or something that somebody threw on me and it stuck. I want him to get it out. I want to be able to stay hot in his hands so that I'm easy to work with, so that, I, that I'm not rigid and, and that I don't, it doesn't take, you know, longer to get all that, that stuff out. You know, some of you guys might or might not know that I work with cakes. I do cakes. And sometimes I use fondant. I don't like it as much because it's more work. Let's just be real. But um, fondant is similar to clay. And it, you can mold it. And you can make shapes out of it. And you can use a rolling pin and roll it out and cover the cake with it. But it's also like clay in the fact that if I don't use it all and I'm done and I put it away, it gets hard. Like really hard. And if I don't wrap it airtight, like it's ruined. It, that's it. It's, it has to be thrown away. And so if, if I finish a cake and I don't use it all, then I'll wrap it real tight and I'll save it for another time because it lasts for like ever and ever. Uh, well, I mean, not forever and ever, but a while. And so then if I have another cake that I have to do, use fondant, when I go to pull it out, it is hard. Even though it's still wrapped, even though it's still usable, it's hard. And I have to work it really hard and, and get, let the heat of my hands warm it up. And sometimes it's so hard, I just have to bless you. I just have to put it in the... Um, in the microwave and zap it, you know, get it really hot in order to work with it. And, and that's, that's like this clay, you know, it's, it's easier to work with when it's hot. You know, if we, if we, if we continue to work with it, it's going to be, remain usable. If we don't, it's going to take a lot more to get it going the next time. So if I'm being honest with you guys, there's some scriptures in, in the Bible that I actually have to say, you know what? Not that I don't believe it, because I believe that everything is there for a reason, no matter where, where, where it falls in the scripture. God put it there for a reason. But sometimes I, I read it once, and I'm like, okay. I don't quite get that, you know. I don't really understand what he's saying there. And so then I'll read it again, and I'll ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying there? Like, I don't get this. You know, it doesn't make sense. And sometimes even in scripture, like when we see like the, the parable of like the prodigal son or something, and then the other son's like, I've been here all this time, and you never gave me nothing. And I'm like, that's right. You know, and I'm like, oh, wait. Like, the story's about the other brother, and I'm over here like, that's right. Or, oh, especially the one about the talent, uh, not the talents, where when they get paid for working a day's job, and the first one, they come at like 8 in the morning. He's like, I'll pay you this much to work for me. Done. You know, then like three hours in, somebody else comes. He offers them the same amount for the first guy. I tell you what, I still read that scripture. I'm like, Lord. They deserve more money than the dude that came on the last shift. You know, like I'm still like, but Lord, you know, and then it's like, but it's talking about salvation. And why wouldn't we want somebody who surrendered their, their life to God in their 50s get the same thing that I'm getting now? It doesn't matter what work I put in, you know. So, but I deal with it. I do. I'm just being real honest. I deal with it myself. I'm like, ooh, that flesh, I got to push it down sometimes because it rears its ugly head. And I'm like, oh, that's right. That's right. Everybody gets the same. Everybody, everybody's good. God loves everybody. But this, is, this scripture in particular, it's one that I've always kind of been like, God, what, what are you saying there? You know, what are you, what are you, 
What are you saying? And I think it's important for us that when we feel that way, if we have a scripture that we don't understand or we have something in the word that we don't really get, it's important that we just don't pass it or say, hmm, I don't get it. It's important that we, that we, you know, search it out, that we try to figure it out, that we ask somebody else to help us explain it to us or, or to help us realize what it means because it's there for a reason and we need to know the reason that it's there. But this scripture in particular is one that's kind of always confused me a little bit. And uh, it's Revelation 3, 5, and 6. It says, I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold, and I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now, of course, this is in the end times, and he's talking to the different churches. And, and so, you know, he's saying that the way that they've allowed themselves to become stagnant has, you know, literally made him sick that he wants to vomit. But I think for, for me in this scripture in particular, I would think, well, isn't lukewarm better than cold? Because at least it still has some heat to it. You know, so I'm like, God, why would you want me cold? Like, what did you rather, shouldn't the, shouldn't the scripture say, Lord, that you want us lukewarm or hot but not cold? You know, and I'm like trying to figure it out. And he's like, so I, was, I put that scripture in this, in this message. And even then I was like, Lord, why? Why do you want us cold instead of lukewarm? You know, it doesn't make any sense. And so I was just thinking about it. I was thinking about it in context of this, script, uh, and this message and the clay and all that stuff. And then it just kind of hit me. You know, when you're playing with the clay, it's hot. And as long as it's in your hands, it's going to stay hot. And if you put it away properly in its container, even if you're not using it right now, but you want to be able to use it later, it's going to get cold. But it's still usable when it's cold. But what happens when you just get it hot and then you put it there? If anybody did that and you go to try to touch it right now, it's, it might have already dried. And so when it's lukewarm, when the heat slowly starts to escape it and it's not put away properly, it's not going to be usable after that point. And so with the clay, once it's lukewarm, that's it. If it's not in the shape you wanted, it's done. It won't, it won't ever be able to be used again. And I was like, okay, I think I get it. I think I get it a little bit. He doesn't really want us to be cold either, right? God's not like, hey, you've loved me so good this year. Why don't you take a year off? I'll see you in 2019. You're so good. I love you so much. No, he doesn't want us to be cold. But he would prefer that we are cold because then he can still work on us. Amen? And so it's important for us to 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 to. Uh, function properly, how, how we've been created to, to, to function. And so, uh, how many of y'all know that the Father is not going to put us down unless we force him to? You know, God's not like, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to pray for a week. That's cool with me. Oh, I'll see you at church on Sunday. You know, it's us. It's us that jump out of his hand. It's, it's us that say, I'm good. I don't, need to, I don't need to seek you this week. You know, I got it from here. You know, so the Father's not putting us down. So if, if we want to, he'll keep us there, and he'll keep working on us, and he'll get all, he'll get all the bad stuff out, and he'll keep us moldable, and, and he'll, he'll use us for, for our uh, design purpose. But check out this scripture. It's really, it's really cool in the context of, of this sermon. But it says here in John 10, 22 through 30, it says, At the time of the Feast of Dedication that took place at Jerusalem, it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. 
So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. That work, that the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one, this is the part right here that is super cool. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The Father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand, and the Father and I are one. So I just thought that was amazing because here we're talking about things that can happen to us or trials that we can face. And still, even through all that, nothing, no one can snatch us out of God's hand unless we decide that we don't want to be there. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to get out. I want to stay right there. I want to be in his hand. I want the heat to keep me moving. I want him to pull out the junk that finds its way in there. And I want, I want him to do what he wants with me. Because if once I get out, I'll try to do it on my own. I'm going to start to get cold. First, I'm going to get lukewarm if I don't put myself away properly in a Ziploc bag. I'm just kidding. But, you know, once we get out of his hand, that's when we're going to start getting in trouble. And, you know, Clay has a purpose. Its purpose isn't just to be a blob. You know, it's, it is to be created into something else. And, you know, it talks about Jesus is the potter and we're the clay. And eventually we'll be made into something, a pot or a cup or a bowl or whatever it might be. And that's nice. And it has a purpose in, its, in itself. But what happens to a pot if it breaks? That's it, right? I mean, you could try to, like, break it into more pieces and make it into, like, a sculpture or something. But once clay has been hardened and created into something and it breaks, that's it. It can't be used again. And so I know that God has something to create me. I know one day I'm going to be a, a shiny porcelain dish. But, you know, right now I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm, I don't think I'm ready yet. I don't think that I'm ready just to be a pot, you know, that sits on the shelf. You know, and it'll have its purpose. It'll do its thing. But I think I want God to continue working on me and I want to stay hot and I want all the junk out so that when I do become a pot, a bowl, whatever, a chalice, that, that there's no blemishes, that there's nothing sticking out the side on a lumpy, you know, that shouldn't be there. And I, and I want to know that when, when God has created me into what it is, whenever that, whenever that day is, whatever that, that moment of season of my life is, that I'm ready, that he's created me and that, that in the most sense that I can be flawless because of how he's created me to be. So I want to... I just want to encourage you guys in that also that, you know, God can make you into something perfect and beautiful, um, but you got you to gotta stay in his hands. You can't try to do it on your own. You can't try to figure it out. You know, you can't try to, to do what you want to do because clay in and of itself can do nothing. It's the potter that, that does all the work. You know, and it's the same, it's the same with metal. How many of y'all know that metal has to be heated up really heat? Did I say heated? Heat? Is heated a word? Okay. Yep. Metal has to be put in the fire in order to move it, or it has to be, like, hit really hard, you know, like in a car accident or something. And so, you know, when Josh and I, we've been married for 13 years now, but when we were married for 10 years, I wanted to do a vow renewal, and I wanted to wear my dress again and get a new ring, and I had all these plans, and he was like, nobody does this. I'm like, we're doing it. He's like, nobody has a vow renewal at 10 years. I'm like, because nobody's married for 10 years anymore. Come on. We're going to celebrate. 
Nobody makes it this long nowadays. Anyways, so I, you know, I took my old ring to a jeweler and I said, this is my old ring and this is my husband's old ring. And these are all the jewelry that I have from my great aunt and my grandma and all this stuff. And I said, make me something new. And, you know, he didn't just like pick it up and just pinch it and move it around, you know, and, oh, that looks good. No, he had to get all of it, take the diamonds out and burn it and melt it. And he literally did. He melted it into like a nugget. And then after they had the cast of what the ring was going to look like, which I designed. Just kidding. Um, Then he had to melt it again. He had to get the metal hot again and pour it into the mold. You know, and so it's, again, we see heat. We see that it's heat. It's either heat or horrible force that's going to cause something to to change shapes. And I don't know about y'all, but I'd like the heat. I'd like the heat much much more than getting hit hit by a semi-truck or something. I'll take the heat. So it's, it's important that we, that we decide before the trial comes, it's important that we decide, I'd rather stay hot. I'd rather put in the daily work. I'd rather learn from this situation. I'd rather recover quickly from the trials that come so that I'm moldable, so that I'm bendable, so that when something bad comes, that I'm prepared for it. So in First Peter th- uh, 1, 3 through 7, it says, blessed be the God of our, of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to the inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for, for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith and salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that tested, genuine in your faith, more precious than gold, uh, that perishes when it's tested by fire, may be found in the result to praise and glory and honor and revelation of Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you guys today. I want to encourage you to stay hot. I want to encourage you to recover quickly. I want to encourage you to, to learn from those around you that God's put in your life and, for, and from the situations that you're walking through because they're going to help you. They're going to help you... Uh, steer the course of your life, whether you want it to, to bend you and leave you stuck or whether you want it to be something that, that will make you a better person, refined by the trials. So I just want to pray with you all this morning. And I, wanna, I just want to encourage you guys uh, in closing with this story that some of y'all might or might know our youngest son, Uriah, the one that, the one that likes to bite my arms. Uh, he, he just turned two and a half. And when he was almost one year old, we found out that he had something very uniquely special about him. And that is that he has an extra Y chromosome. So it's pretty cool. One of the names for it is Superman syndrome. So yes, yes, I am the mother of Superman. It's confirmed. It's confirmed. Uh, you know, but one of the first things I noticed about him is his ankle, his foot could bend. I'm not exaggerating. His foot could bend all the way up and the top of his foot would touch his shin. And I thought, huh, I know I've, I've had four kids, but that's new, you know, never seen that before. And I would show people, I'd be like, look at this, you know, and I'd fold it. I'm like, have you ever seen that before? You know, and then after a while I thought maybe I'm, maybe I shouldn't just because it bends, maybe doesn't mean I should, you know? But, you know, that's kind of how it started. And then we found out that, you know, he had XYY and that allowed his muscles to be loose, too loose. And that's why he was able to bend that way. And, you know, it was a, it was a walk for me. 
it was a blow. It was something that I didn't expect. He was my fourth kid. You know, I thought, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And here comes something new, some trial that's trying to beat me down. You know, a mom's heart and mind just don't ever stop worrying. And so I thought, is he going to talk? Is he going to walk? You know, there's all different things that, that people have, the conditions that they have in that. And so I just came to a, to a point one day, and I thought, sorry. <laughs> I thought, this isn't a surprise to God. He knew how many chromosomes Uriah had when he was in my womb. He knew how he was formed. And this wasn't a surprise to God. And I can learn from this, and God can teach me through this. And how many of y'all know, if I, tr- if I tried to touch my shin to my thing, you know, I'd be broken. I'd need surgery. You know, I could still go get him right now, pull him out here and be like, look. And it would bend. It would bend like nothing. And so he was made special. He was made in a way that he can bend. And I want to bend like that. I want to bend so that when something comes, that it doesn't break me. I want to be able to, for God to use a situation, even if it's scary or if it doesn't seem something we expected. I want God to be able to use it to teach me about him. And he has. He's taught me that he's a good father and that he doesn't make mistakes. I I wasn't going to do this, y'all. This wasn't in my notes. Like cry after point four. You know, but he's taught me, thank you. He's taught me that, that he is the healer and the creator and that that we don't have to be succumbed to the limitations that other people put on us, no matter if it's a diagnosis or what. And so, you know, walking through this journey with Uriah, it's made me a better mom. It's made me, it's made me a better Christian. It's made me understand God in ways that I never would have if I didn't have a son born this way. So, that's that. But I just want to encourage you guys, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I've kind of let myself get too cold, or I I think I'm on my way to being lukewarm, and I don't want to be there anymore. I just want to pray with you all this morning. If you're here, and 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 you decided that, you know, after you've listened to this, that maybe you would like to stay hot, that maybe you would like to God, for God to keep working on you, and to keep pulling out the chunks. I just want to encourage you to stand with me this morning, because I'd like to pray for you. And that doesn't mean that you're not, that you don't have it together. It doesn't mean that you're struggling, or that you have sin in your life it just means that you realize that you want to be more prepared for the next for the next thing that comes so 